1: Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of What's Going Down here on Patreon uh, a day early or on the main feed on Tuesday. Now usually we do review Smackdown and Raw, but uh, we're, we're doing something this week which we can't really talk about yet. So we're recording early. So we're just covering Smackdown and a look towards full gear this Sunday, Saturday, this weekend. My name is Kenny, joined as always by Mr. Finley Martin. Finn, how are you today?
0: Henny, I'm doing all right. I can't grumble. The house is still upright, despite this storm that's raging throughout the northwest of England.
1: Storm Debbie.
0: That's it, yeah. So it feels like night time, even though it's only like half past three or something. So, but yeah, I'm doing all right. How's yourself? Are you in, You're in Cumbria at the moment, right? You're my, uh, my, my birthplace county, the birthplace county of F. Martin. Is that what where is you that, are?
1: That'll be where I am tomorrow.
0: Ah, sorry. Yes,
1: I am. A, yeah, no, because I'm, I'm t- so for, for, I mean, you and I are going to see each other this week for something, which we can't talk about yet. But tomorrow, my other half, I had gotten him a present for his birthday to go and see red pandas at a, at a zoo in Cumbria. So, yeah, so we're driving down tomorrow to go and spend an hour with some red pandas, which should be a pretty wacky thing to do. Yeah, well, but, I hope the
0: storm's passed by then, although it probably will be indoors, so it won't matter.
1: Yeah, it'll be, it'll be in like, like their enclosure. So I'm sure that there'll be sort of protections because there'll, there'll be protections, obviously, for the, the animals. So, sure. yeah, so we're, we're looking forward to doing that. But, um, yes, yeah, so we're here to just talk about SmackDown, talk about uh, Full Gear. So let's start with SmackDown. Two very big angles on this past Friday's SmackDown that are worth a mention, obviously. We had the LWO come out at the start of the show, and Ray Mysterio said that he fully believes that he that you know Logan Paul cheated to win, and he is not worthy of being the champion. And he's out with the LW, and then Carlito comes out and he points out that you know Santos Escobar had left the brass knuckles on the apron, so Ray should be blaming him. And then there's an argument, and Santino and Santino Santos Escobar ends up walking off because he's kind of offended that Carlito is trying to blame him, yeah. for Logan Paul winning the title. And that led us into Bobby Lashley against Carlito, where we had Santos Escobar actually come out to even the odds and help Carlito after the Street Profits had taken out Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro. So, But it was in vain because Bobby Lashley hit his hugely mediocre spear for the win. I mean, I don't know how he does it so badly. It's <laughs> like It's like it's a gust of wind that goes past the opponent. I, mean, I think that he's aware of
0: how powerful he is, and that he just has to like take it so easy. He's like, "Oh, I just can't really nail these fellas; otherwise, I'm going to hurt them." In which case, get yourself a new finisher
1: that looks good, Bobby. I mean, you've yeah. been doing this for a while. I mean, because we, you know, we're watching Sondra and I are watching the weekly retro shows on, you know, the WWE retro shows, and in 2003, and I don't know if you remember this, that things for Goldberg did pick up a little bit once he won the title. Things were a little bit better because they had the whole thing where Triple H had a bounty out for him to see who was going to, you know, take him out. And Goldberg was facing Shawn Michaels on TV. He was battering Mark Henry. And he's doing all these spears. And they looked great. And the crowd were really into him. Yeah, And it's when you're watching Goldberg do... I mean, I think he's probably the best spear in wrestling history that I've seen um, back then, not in his 2016 run. But you because he would just tackle them like would yeah he really looked like he plowed into him and
0: you know that was it game over yeah and uh, the setup for the jackhammer and it was a totally believable you know two part finisher wasn't it
1: it was yeah so when you see Bobby Lashley you know running past Carlito with the the faint bit of air that hits him it's it's just not as good but anyway Bobby Lashley wins and then after the match Escobar is outside looking at Lashley and the Street Profits beating up Carlito. And then Rey Mysterio runs down to try and clear the ring. And Mysterio confronts Santos you know, for not helping Carlito in, in this kind of moment of need. And he shoves him for not intervening. And then when he goes to check on Carlito, Santos does the turn thing. He attacks Mysterio from behind. Mysterio ends up kind of fighting back, but then feels bad and tries to apologize. And this is when Escobar just shoves the boots in. Shoves him at the ring post, traps his leg between the ring and the ring steps, and drop kicks the stairs. And then I thought in a really believable moment. Actually, he kind of got in his face and said, "I loved you." This is supposed to be me and you. Like what? What? What happened? And 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 ended up walking off and Zelina Vega's in tears. I mean, in terms of execution of this angle, I thought that it couldn't have really gone any better. What did you think?
0: Yeah, I agree. I thought it was very realistic. I really like the way that Ray fell between the ring and the ring steps. And it looked spontaneous, like it wasn't planned, and obviously it was planned. And um, but you know, that's when wrestling is do is done. That's when your own wrestling's done well, when yeah. it just looks so natural and seamless and spontaneous. And um and Santos was was clearly, you know, torn. He was pained, you know, he was hurt, wasn't he, by this accusation from Carlito. Uh, That it was Santos Escobar's fault that Rey Mysterio had lost the U.S. title to Logan Paul and he stormed off and Rey and Zelina went after him. And then he um, I mean, it was believable, really, that in a way that Santos would be hesitant to save Carlito from a three on one attack by Lashley and the Street Profits because of what Carlito had just accused him of. So I thought that was all very well thought out, and it was exactly how a normal person I think would react in that situation. Um, they wouldn't be rushing in to save a man who had just accused. You know, if you just if he's just accused you of doing something, you know, terrible and unspeakable, and being responsible for this title loss when he obviously didn't feel like it was his fault. Um, That all did make sense. And then we had, you know, Ray and Santos. And it wasn't just a turn. There was an argument first. And, you know, Ray got stuck in and then Ray felt terrible and he tried to apologise. And then Santos just snapped and he attacked Ray and did what I just said, you know, trapped his leg between the ring and the uh, ring steps and then attacked him. And then Escobar walked off and later backstage, Escobar wasn't beaming about this. He had clearly taken no pleasure from this attack on Rey Mysterio. It didn't feel like it was this, you know, pre-planned, premeditated attack. It was just as if it was something that had just gotten out of hand. Um, and Escobar felt terrible about the way it had played out. As you just said, you know, you know, I used to love you. You know, I can't believe you know what's happened here. And uh, yeah, Escobar just just walked backstage and he said that you know Rey had it coming, but didn't really seem like he was jubilant over what he'd done. It wasn't like the classic heel turn where it's like, ha, 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 you know, I tricked you. It was more a case of, you know, this was just an unfortunate sequence of events, but I feel justified in the way that I behaved. That was very much the way Escobar was behave- uh, Escobar was acting. That was his mindset as he stormed out of the arena, wasn't he, Kenny?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think by, by Carlito being the one, who kind of came in between them, you can kind of give Santos Escobar his out in the scenario because Carlitos come between them. Yeah. So I think that's a good wrinkle to the story. And Rey Mysterio is just a great guy to be the baby face that you turn on because he's so likable and so sympathetic that you can't help but just want the best for him all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've known that this has
0: been coming for a long time. I mean, they had that match a while ago, and we thought the turn might happen at the end of that, didn't we? Because, yeah. You know, you know, this has been clearly in the pipeline for many, many weeks, if not longer. Uh, in fact, it's been in the pipeline ever since you know they first teamed up. Let's be honest. Um, so, I mean, I'm expecting an you know an Escobar Calito match. Um, actually, have they announced that for next week? Did
1: they announce that at the end of the program? No, they, they, I don't think they did, unless I've missed it. Let me. I'll have, it, I'll have a look.
0: Yeah, I mean, we're obviously
1: going to get that match and presumably
0: that'll lead to Escobar versus Ray at Survivor Series.
1: Yeah, you would imagine so. So as far as I'm aware, they didn't announce Carlito and Santos yet, but I I assume we will get it. So, but I mean, that was, we had that on the show. We had a match with Dragon Lee and Cedric Alexander. So they got some more time as well to have a match. And, yeah, I mean, I
0: mean, the match was okay. It just kind of felt a bit pointless, didn't it? It's like we've already seen it. Um, Fairly obvious that Dragon Lee was going to win. And he desperately needs some creative support from the uh, booking team right now. Otherwise, you know, he had something several weeks ago, and now it just feels like they've let that one go. And um, I thought his team with Cameron Grimes, that was obviously short-lived. I thought Grimes was benefited from that as well as Dragon Lee did. So, yeah, I mean, they need to give... I mean, it seems like they, they like Dragon Lee and he's obviously very talented. Um, And he did connect with the audience earlier in the year. Uh, it was in the match with uh, Don Mysterio, wasn't it? That was the match that got him signed to the main yes. roster, wasn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: So, I mean, he's really good, but they've got to give him something to do. Uh, and when I say something to do, that's not beating Cedric Alexander every other
1: week. Yeah, they need to. I, I saw someone kind of pontificate the idea of the Sin Cara signing back in twenty eleven. I think it was twenty eleven or twenty ten, and how that obviously was not a success. And they've always tried to find a new Hispanic star, and especially with with a mask on. And it feels that like with Dragon Lee, you know, this might be the first test of the the Triple H regime. Where yeah. you know you can't really blame Vince if this one doesn't work because he's you know nowhere to be seen, or yeah. he, at least if he is making you know obviously we've said before Vince is going to at the moment potentially have a say in you know who Roman Reigns drops the title to, but I I doubt that it's anywhere near the level of discussing Dragon Lee's creative. So no. I think that it will yeah it'll be interesting to see if it picks up, but yeah. we got a segment. Uh, Where We got a segment with Elliot Knight because he was interrupted by Grayson Waller. Elliot Knight did say that he was still intent on winning the WWE title from Roman Reigns, so it looks like that's going to continue. He claims he's not done with the bloodline. And then Grayson Waller comes out, he gives him some of the usual kind of Elliot Knight lines, calls him a kangaroo jackass, said the Grayson Waller effect sounds like some sort of STD. And, and that led to a match, which was an entirely skippable match if you are counting things yeah. that you need to see in your life. It or was, you-
0: and I mean, I thought La Knight was gold, solid gold on the mic here. I yeah. mean, this was this was the promo he needed. I mean, this was really strong, and I just thought, you know, he was he came out there and he looked confident, and that must have been difficult for him to really sort of maintain that sort of confidence after he'd lost to Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel. And I imagine he was quite concerned about what the reaction would be. Would people view him as a loser? Because, you know, the match, many people had criticized the match because he just felt so samey and so predictable. And we've been here before, you know, Jimmy Uso comes out and, you know, the interference leads to a Roman Reigns victory. So it felt like Knight had just fallen into the same trap that, all of Roman Reigns' his previous opponents had, but the audience was still firmly, um, in fact, even more behind Night here. I mean, they were really, they were not like saying you loser or anything like that. I mean, I think the the crowd were really behind Night here, and I thought he did really well trying to recover from that defeat because he said, you know, who's he basically guaranteed that. He was going to end Reigns' his title reign, even though none of us believed that he was going to. Um, yes. Obviously, he had to project that um, that image of confidence to the audience. So I thought he did really well. Grayson Waller came out, and I thought Knight looked really strong on the promo. He was giving all the lines. I thought Waller was really good here as well. You know, he sold for Knight's lines and just made Knight look like the star. And then they had the match. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we've seen this before from Knight, and his matches are really quite uneven. And this was another one of them. And uh, it was just kind of flat, wasn't it, Kenny, the match? Yeah. To me, it was just like night and day from the verbal confrontation they just had, which was so well done, Um, especially Knight's attack on Wallow at the end. I mean, I thought that was just like, I thought it was just tremendous. But then the match just didn't deliver fireworks, sadly. Kevin Patrick, we should mention that Kevin Owens was on commentary because Corey Graves and Carmella uh, just uh, welcomed their first child together earlier in the week. So, Corey Graves, um, you know, deservedly had the week, had had the Friday off, had the week off. So, Kevin Owens sat in on commentary for the night. And there was a really funny line as Grayson Waller applied the half crab on LA night. And Kevin Patrick asked Owens, if the half-crab affected Knight's back. <laughs> he just said, of course it does. And it's just like, what a comment from Kevin Patrick. Does a, does a half-crab, you know, hurt or, you know, does that cause pain to an opponent's back? I thought that was a, a really strange thing for him to say.
1: you well, know, you, got, you, got to, you got to get that skip, then. you got, you got to ask the, the, the tough questions, you know? Um, yeah,
0: I think mean, Owen sampled that really well. And uh, in the end, yeah, Knight, you know, Knight made the comeback and he won with the BFT.
1: Um, I did think what was what was kind of... was a shame for, for Elliot Knight is he, as you say, is delivering so well in the promos and he's doing so well. And, I mean, I assume that Elliot Knight and Roman Reigns is the, is the Royal Rumble match now by the fact that he's still going to be going for the belt. I can't see Roman defending it on TV between now and January. So... But later on when Jimmy Uso did the promo where he kind of said, you know, you're not finishing me, Ellie Knight, and I'll meet you next week, and the news of Solo returning, and I kind of felt just a bit bored of it because it's kind of the B squad that we're getting again. And Ellie Knight's already faced Roman Reigns, so what are they going to have for the next two months, I think it's two and a half months? Like, What are they going to give us over the next two and a half months to kind of keep this hot and nothing's obviously springing to mind so unless they've listened to you and Brock Lesnar is on a flight soon then <laughs> I'm not you know I'm not I'm not exactly um, excited about the festive period on Smackdown in terms of Elliot and the Bloodline because what can they do to yeah. get us excited
0: Yeah we've already seen all the matches all the configurations have basically been delivered I don't want to see Elliot Knight wrestle Roman Reigns again because we know what the outcome will be and we we also know ex- pretty much how the match will play out. I, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm really hoping that's not the Rumble match. I mean, I'm sure they'll get away with it because the Rumble match is the draw at the Rumble, of course. Um, you know, maybe the show will still be seen as a success on the night. But I mean, I'd rather see someone like a Randy Orton or a Drew McIntyre or someone like that challenge Roman Reigns. Um, sure, I mean, it, surely it can't be night again. Because no one believes that Roman's going to lose the belt
1: between now and WrestleMania. So, um, I mean, the fact the fact that he said that he is still, you know, he's doing the promo to say I'm still going after the title. I'm still with the bloodline. They either have to take Knight in a different direction, or they have to have another match. Which I means unless, yeah. unless there is a match coming. You know, unless unless they're going to have a match on TV, maybe Reigns is going to work a TV. I mean, mean, we did that with Riddle before, I think. Yeah, yeah, course he did. So so, I mean, maybe that's it. Maybe that'll be a TV match, but yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel like a Raw Rumble match, does it? You know, no. But but then you to your point, I, I think the danger is you don't you don't really want to put Roman Reigns with anyone because it's the same story. And it's, you know, we talked about the Crown Joe thing kind of being diminishing returns in terms of the formula of the match. So, you know, you get Drew, someone who's really hot. He, I would probably keep him away from it. But we thought, I think you could do it with Orton because Orton's older, you know, he can kind of, I think Orton will get the people behind him. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think that could be a good a good match to do at Rumble. Yes. Yeah. The only
0: problem with that, of course, is we believe Orton's going to return on Raw, don't we? So, yeah. Uh...
1: But you know, I mean, they've they find ways to to make the, the brand split mean nothing when they want to. So maybe maybe they'll find a way around it.
0: Yeah, I mean it feels to me like if he does return at Survivor Series, as he's rumored, Randy Orton, and we're referring to now. Um I don't know whether there's really room for him on Raw, but there definitely is room for him on SmackDown. I think there's, you know, a big spot for him there. Yeah. Um and he could team with LA Knight actually against Solo and Jimmy Uso. I mean that that would actually be a pretty big match on the Night versus Jimmy and Solo. Um, but um, yeah, I mean it's. I mean I suppose Knight had to say that he couldn't say oh, it's over and I'll never receive another title match. I mean that's typical response from a babyface after he has lost a major title match, especially if he's lost it in a way that you know underhanded methods were used in order to thwart his you know title victory. So, I mean, you know, it's possible he was just saying that just to, um, you know, as, as almost like a, a way of preserving his pride or his dignity. So it's possible that that was the reason that that was written for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I mean, they said here, they said also on the show that uh, Solo Sokoa will return next week. Um, there was no John Cena on the uh, on the programme. No. And um, they were speculating that Cena's career might be over, Kenny.
1: We can only hope. We can only hope. I mean, he's, he's, he's got have, he's got to have surgery now on his elbows. And I mean, he wasn't exactly Ultimo Dragon in the ring when he was back. So, you know, when you're at the point where you're having basic wrestling matches and you're getting injured, yeah. it's, it's time to stop. Like, it's just time to to go. But they, they did do the video package here for him. Uh, we also, I know you mentioned Kevin Owens earlier on. He ended up after... Elliot and Grace Waller. He, so he had this kind of like Bobby the Brain Heenan brain cam thing, where he was showing clips of him punching out Waller and theory a couple of weeks ago and he's... Picked... I mean, that looked great, didn't it? When he showed it in slow motion. Yeah. I can't exactly. believe
0: how good that looked.
1: I yeah. mean, it just... I was like, wow, I don't remember it looking that good. <laughs> it looked amazing. <laughs> we saw it about six times here, so we, we knew by the end how good it looked. And then they kind of had this thing of... So they came out to kind of try and goad him because when you're a commentator, you are not allowed to attack anyone. If you do, you could be suspended. So Ray, uh, Owens would not be allowed to put his hands on anyone. And of course, he ended up. He was. He was. He was happy to accept being shoved, and he was happy to accept water being poured over his head. But he was not a happy then to accept a bad word being said about Kevin Patrick.
0: Yeah, I think didn't he chuck like a you know an empty plastic water bottle at Kevin Patrick?
1: Yeah that, yeah, it. It. yeah, that was it. That was
0: it. That was the straw that brought the camels back. That was a, That was
1: it. Yeah,
0: phenomenal Next action. Ran after Austin Theory and Grayson Waller, attacked them in the aisle, <laughs> you know, back to the ring, and ended up laying out Waller uh, with a stunner. And uh, while Austin Theory fled. So um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see actually Owens team up with someone, maybe even Dragon Lee or Cameron Grimes. I don't know someone who's not really doing anything interesting. And then Owens and whomever versus Theory and Waller tag match. I think that could be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, it could be good fun. The other big thing on SmackDown that happened was we had Bailey coming out to bring out Damage Control. She was obviously very nervous about Kyrie Sane because she was responsible for Kyrie Sane leaving WWE in 2020 by attacking her backstage. So- yeah, they
0: showed uh, they showed footage of that as well back in uh, attacking her backstage and hurling her into a big garage door.
1: Yeah. And then, yeah, so, so so Bailey's obviously kind of thinking, you know, they're out to get me. So then EO comes out with Dakota and Kyrie and, you know, Bailey said, I've, I've, I've been in this long enough. I know I think these things work. You know, you can see why I'm concerned. And Dakota said, we didn't bring Kyrie in to, to hurt you. We brought Kyrie in to make damage control stronger. And then Kyrie said that she respects Bailey is the leader of damage control and she forgives her. She offered a hug. Bailey said she doesn't do the hugs anymore, but then De- Dakota Neal kind of forced her to do an awkward hug, which was actually a very funny moment. Yeah. Uh, this brought out Bianca Belair, who looked phenomenal. She just looked like a star here when she came out. And any sort of originality and freshness that Bianca Belair had here was sucked away by the vacuum that is Charlotte Flair. <laughs> who always comes out and just has, you know, no authenticity about it whatsoever. Uh, and then followed by Asuka, they're all challenging them to a match in the main event. So we get that match with damage control against uh, Charlotte. Charlotte, Bianca and Asuka. Bianca and Asuka. And the big turn is when Bianca goes to tag in Asuka. Asuka pulls her hand away and then mists Bianca in the face, kicks her in the head and joins damage control with Kyrie, Eel, and Bailey. So what did you make of this turn and angle?
0: Um, I mean, I think, I mean, ask her, it doesn't seem, so when did she do the, so she was a heel, and then she turned after SummerSlam, didn't she? Yes. She yes. began teaming with Charlotte. So she sort of turned, but it wasn't a proper turn, and she turned because people want to cheer her. And, um, you know, that was the whole thing with Charlotte, who should be a heel, but is a face. And Asuka, who was a heel, but should be a face. And now Asuka's a heel again, (laughs) even though everyone wants to cheer her. You know, who can keep up with these turns? It's like a Big Show or uh, Lex Luger back in the day. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I thought the angle was well done. Um, But I mean, I wasn't exactly doing backflips, I wasn't. Ecstatic about it because I know what this is leading to. It's going to be Bailey or Sky, Kairi, Sane, and Asuka, and probably one other person against Charlotte, Bianca, Shotzi, and two other people in War Games. Isn't there one other person in War Games? Hopefully, the the women's War Games will only be an eight eight woman. I think match.
1: it's. I think it's just. I think it is supposed to be an eight woman, and the I'm I'm going to name who the other person is supposed to be. So if you want, don't want this spoiled, fast forward thirty seconds. The fourth person on the Data Face team is supposed to be Becky Lynch, is the idea. Becky Lynch, really? Yeah, that's the that's, that's what people are saying. That's what the, the internet saying is. It would be the plan. I mean, I, the thing is, I'm more concerned about the idea of Shotzi and a War Games.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be a problem, couldn't it? I mean, it's just, I mean, Shotzi is just like so haphazard and. Uh, Out of control And yeah Uncoordinated We don't really need her in a match like that And if she's going in she needs to go in last So she's in as few Minutes as possible Because that count, we saw her in Money in the Bank remember that last year Kenny she had to leave Twitter And the thing is as well it's <laughs> not good For Shotzi because people were really horrible to her Yeah. Because you get blowing things And that's what happens in You know, the modern world, when you screw up, then Twitter punishes your ex, as it's called right now.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot
0: may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. X punishes you, so um, but yeah, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair on the same team—that's going to be a strange one because they genuinely did have a fallout, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah they, they did have the fallout, so it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. I mean, the, you know, we did say last week to give them credit, we did say there's no storyline for the women's war games, so they have made a storyline happen. Yeah, which is which is good, and I do like the idea that. You know, if you'd said five years ago that on SmackDown there would be a women's faction that's the sort of top of the division and it features three three Japanese women, you probably would never have thought that would be a possibility. So, you know, things have improved. The problem is they've they've not got a lot of great dance partners to work with. You've got Bianca, who is a sort of tepid cold babyface. Yeah. You've got Charlotte Flair, who is the ice queen of baby faces. You'd get Shotzi, who looks like she's you know just completed completed day three of backyard wrestling
0: I mean, yeah, I mean Shotzi's great as the Halloween havoc host oh yeah, I mean, that's a perfect role, but wrestling it's just not really her thing. she's just not very good at it. We know this, yeah. um, I mean, I think she's all right in a heavily choreographed match, but war games is usually like thirty minutes plus, and <laughs> you can't choreograph everything, can you? No, and
1: if you, if you, if, you, if they any sense in the, the thing is you can't even put Shotzi in last because she's not the she's not a top star on the Babyface no. team. One of the people that goes in last has to either be Bianca, Charlotte, or uh, Becky. Yeah, it can't really be Shotzi. So she either ha- she has to go in for at least ten minutes before the match starts.
0: Well, you're right. It's got to be the big star for that last big star ent- entrance yeah. pop. You know, to lift the match and, you know, the face comes in and beats down all the heels and the crowd goes wild. And if it's Shotzi in that role, I mean, it's going to be a total flop, isn't it? So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people in NXT. They need to get some of those people up from NXT. There's several there, several people there who are ready to go on the main roster and can absolutely fortify the division. And, you know, there's other people, you know, in the women's division you are doing nothing. You know, Alba Fire, Isle yeah. of Dawn. We talk about these two. Well, we don't talk about them all the time because generally not really doing anything, but they could be doing a lot more than they are doing. That, you know, goes yeah. without saying, doesn't it? I mean, they, those two, I think, could contribute a lot to a War Games match. They are both capable, dependable. You can trust them not to screw up. You know, and we can't yes. say the same for Shotzi.
1: I just, you know, I know Nick Can had said in an interview earlier this year that, one of WWE's focuses needs to be younger talent on the main roster. They need to have people in their 20s and that's something that you know AEW have been quite good at having people like Darby Allen and MJF who were in their 20s and have people. that. So for WWE I think they should get some of these women in NXT that they've got who are young and who feel fresh and new and they should be the people that we are, we're seeing because and I don't mean to, to single out Shotzi at all but if she's not good by now, she's never going to be. No. So, you know, you kind of have to. And look, I'm sure if you know, she, I'm sure she could get a gig in wrestling after this. There's worse wrestlers than her that have jobs. So, but I just think she needs to. In terms of the main, the main roster and a spot a spot like this, I just don't think that she's. It's it's crazy that somebody like Tiffany Stratton is in NXT and is at the level she's at for how long she's been doing it. Yeah. Compared to Shotzi, who's in the main roster, who's going to be in a war games. So
0: Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, again, with Tiffany Stratton, I imagine she'll be brought up after WrestleMania. I mean, yeah. really, it would be a waste to bring her up before then. And, um, you know, she's improved, obviously, loads this year. Um, and there are other people in the NXT women's division who are really good. So, um, you know, it's... It's just like, in some ways you think, wow, why don't they just call them up now? But it's like, well, in many ways you're better off just do it in the order that you're planning on doing it and bring these people up when there's a spot for them, you know, not just to take part in a war games match in which fans aren't really going to react to you. Um, But, I mean, yeah, anyway, so the big angle happened, as you said. Asuka turned heel on Bel-Air and reformed, um, you know, formed the team with uh, with Bailey and with your Sky and Kyrie Sane. So yeah, I mean at least there is a reason for this War Games match to happen now. So let's yeah. give them credit for that. I thought the main event match was kind of flat, which is a shame. And another thing as well, Kenny, and you may have noticed this: it looked like Charlotte Flair was reluctant to sell for Kyrie Sane. Did you notice that?
1: Yeah, I did. I did notice that. And obviously, you know, we the, they've got history with uh, mm-hmm. from the from the past, so. Yeah, I was curious about that. But uh...
0: yeah, I mean, I know there's a size difference there, but it's just like, you know, she's been doing this a long time. Carrie's saying, Charlotte Flair's been doing this a long time. She's just returned. You know, this is somebody who, you know, can be a real asset to this division. Sell for her, make her look good. And by making her look good, you make yourself look good.
1: Yeah. I, I I'm with you. I thought the term was pretty good. I I like the I like I like the the, the kind of emboldened damage control more members, and I think that you know it's fairly obvious Bailey's going to be kicked out at some point soon, and she'll have to go babyface, which you know might not be the worst thing for her. She's kind of exhausted this heel role that she's been in. So yeah, agreed. Think, you know. but anyway, let's move on. So this weekend we've got AEW's full gear it takes place this Saturday, November eighteenth. Uh, In LA at the Forum, so I mean, some. Let's just talk about some of the big matches and see what you think. So, obviously, we have Hikaru Shida against Timeless Tony Storm, and Tony Storm is just an absolute riot in this role. She's got Luther now as her butler, and she's just, you know, encapsulating this 1950s pinup person. So, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but I really hope Tony Storm is actually going to beat Hikaru Shida to to lift this title I, I never thought i'd get to this point finn well
0: i mean part of that is she does really kind of dull in the role i mean yeah. no one really wanted her to become champion when she defeated tony storm back in august i think it was and there didn't seem to be this outpouring of a support for her to you know topple Saraya either did there you yeah. know so she's <laughs> this champion that is a baby face who doesn't really have the audience behind her. Whereas Tony Storm in this character does have, you know, support the crowd because it's something different at least. Um, And it does, it's sort of inconceivable that Sheida will return the belt against Tony Storm. I mean, Sheeda's match with uh, Ruby Soho nearly, I think it was the October 25th Dynamite. I mean, what a mess that match was. I mean, it was partly due to the booking. It was, just far too complicated it was just all these sort of extras and all these like you know the turnbuckle pad was ripped off and then the belt came into the ring and then they used the spray paint and then the referee was put in an awkward position where I think was it um I think it was Aubrey Edwards who refereed it but anyway whoever was a referee in it had to pretend not to see things that were happening and it was just a real mess of a match. And, um, you know, sheeda has been doing this a long time. Ruby Soho's a veteran. Um, and, yeah, there just doesn't feel like there's any real support for Sheeda as champ. So, yeah, I think Tony Storm has got it in the bag, um, you know, which is a shame because, you know, that means that that will be, like, two reigns that Shida's had this year that really haven't mattered at all.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think for Tony, she she definitely deserves getting the run because she's put the time into the character and it's it's paying off for her. I think probably one of the matches that will that will be popular on the night and has got a pretty good build to it is the Sting, Darby Allen, Adam Copeland against Christian Cage, which saw this Nick Wayne match. The cop Adam Copeland does feel pretty fresh in this role, I think because he's against Christian and they've got all the history, so I think that's going to be good. I mean, obviously, Sting is going to have Ric Flair in his corner. Were you expecting there to be such mean, a... we, we talked about Ric Flair debuting in AEW the other week, but there's quite a lot of blowback to him being there. And people are, you know, certain websites are writing articles about, you know, how morally icky they feel about it. Uh, there's tweets that have resurfaced from a couple of years ago of Tony Khan kind of making a dig at, you know, people like Vince... And were you, were, you, were you expecting this to kind of linger like it has? Um,
0: yeah, I was. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, Flair's 74. I mean, he's had... He, he, I mean, he'd had his run, you know. He'd had his run in the 90s. And he just keeps having these runs and resurfacing and stealing the spotlight from younger people because he doesn't want it to be over. And promoters keep facilitating this and enabling this by signing him and featuring him on TV. I mean, that, you know, angle in which he was introduced on the October 25th Dynamite, poor Darby Allen was just ignored. He might as well have been like the Jay White cardboard out, you know, for all <laughs> participation, you know, and attention that was paid to him. And I, I really felt for him, you know, he's there with his arm in a sling. And, um, you know, it's this love in with Sting and Tony Schiavone and Ric Flair. And Flair's talking about Sting and Tony and just totally ignoring Darby Allen. He probably doesn't even know he is. So, I mean, and then combined with, you know, the comments that have been made about Vince in public, you know, if you want to make those comments, go right ahead. But if you then hire somebody who's got a checkered track record, you're going to be charged with hypocrisy it's not that difficult to be able to work this out. You know, you need to have foresight when you tweet. <laughs> it's like, how can this be used against me? That should be the first thing that you think before you put a any sort of public message out. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ric Flair, it's just, you know, at least he's not there every week, Kenny. That's, you know, that I'll, I'll say that's one good thing about this. Yeah. He's only making special appearances yeah, I mean, Adam Copeland was saying, I'm never going to fight Christian Cage. And then, was it last week on Dynamite? Yeah, last week on Dynamite, he speared him, didn't he, in the angle. And announced that he would team with Sting and Darby against Cage and Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne at the uh, the Full Gear event. So, you know, he did this 180. This was after Sting and Darby had, like, had that, given that pep talk backstage. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting, I suppose, to see Copeland versus Cage again.
1: You know, it's got some, you know, nostalgic value to it. Um, yeah, I think this is I'm, going to be the match that on the night the people will be the most into. I think before. you're probably right. I think you're probably right about that. Uh, we've got the... So we've got the, the Texas death match with Hangman, Adam Page and Swerve Strickland, which, to give them credit, Page is actually delivering some decent promos now. He seems like he cares about something, which is something that he hasn't seemed like in a long time. But... <laughs> I mean, how how much are they paying this guy? Well, I mean, he's, he's, he's rep by Barry Bloom now, so, I mean, the guy's not getting paid chump change.
0: I mean, it's like this mid-card guy. And he's like, oh, you know, and it's like this bonus that he shows up and looks like he can be bothered.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is
0: where we're at now, Kenny. This, this is, is where we're where at. not it's gotten in AEW. <laughs> uh,
1: but, yeah, but, I mean, that is, is, is kind of the state of wrestling now, where if you're in WWE or AEW, they tend to keep want to keep you more to not let you go to the other place, but I think we're going to start seeing that changing because that can't keep up. No, you know, AEW can't keep paying people. I, mean, I don't want to use Paige as the example, but if we do use him as an example, is is he worth a million dollars a year? No, I mean, he's, he's not done. even worth two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. I mean, what's he
0: contributed this year? Uh, I mean, really,
1: what he, what has he done this year? He was that with, really made you go, wow. Well, I mean nothing. But he wa he was one third of the ROH six man tag team champions thing, which, you know, means a lot to somebody. <laughs> uh but you you did uh, you did <laughs> I know that you had some some thoughts on the Swerve Strickland House Invasion angle that we got the other week.
0: Well, yeah, that's right. That was on uh yeah, October twenty-fifth uh, dynamite, wasn't it? So um so the young books and hangman page had just beaten uh, the Hardys and Brothers Zay, which was a strange match because Jeff Hardy was playing heel. And the referee just let him get on with it, which was... The referees had a rough night on October 25th Dynamite. And they <laughs> usually have a rough night in AEW, let's be honest. But this was a particularly bad night for the referees. And then on the big screen, Swerve Strickland and Prince Nana um, were videoed uh, supposedly breaking into Hangman Page's house. Um, And uh, so the video was shown on the big screen and Page was horrified. And then he ran up the ramp. And he's just like, well, I believe the October 25th dynamite was in Philadelphia. It was. And he lives in Virginia. So it was probably going to take him a little while, wasn't it, to get from Philadelphia back home? Well, anyway, Paige was just getting a head start. That's it. I'm heading home, lads. So he <laughs> ran, up the, ran up the ramp. Um, so we saw this Yeah, strange video. So uh, Swerves there in uh, Paige's house. And uh, then he goes into the room where Paige's baby supposedly is in the cot. And Strickland's basically saying, You're going to have to pay for the sins of the father. Dropped his t shirt on the baby. Um, and then and then left Prince Alice saying, "Well, this is a really bad idea, Swerve. We've got to go." Now, where was the mother
1: throughout all of this, Kenny? Well, the other question was because I, I I was talking to Sandra about it, and she was kind of saying, "Well, I don't think the child's supposed to be there," but the camera was showing us as if we were the child. So i i i don't I don't really understand what the, the premise was. Was the child supposed to be there or not, or was nobody well, home?
0: I don't know. I didn't. I just didn't get it. I mean. Like he was looking into the cot and we couldn't see the baby and the baby didn't make any noise so obviously the baby wasn't there for real yeah. but why would he be doing that
1: if the baby wasn't there? Well, and, then, he... and then the, and then obviously the following week when we had the when they lost the six-man tag titles uh, Young Bucks and Paige Paige ends up fighting away with Swerve and it's like they're, they're, they're treating it as if like, Swerve's the baby face. And it's like he just broke into the guy's home and tried to you know, strong arm his kids. It was bizarre. Yeah, and like there was like a little like thing on the fridge that the child had
0: supposedly drawn for dad and he took that off the fridge and he tore it in two and threw it to one side and then, yeah, I didn't really understand what was going on here but obviously Swerve had, you know, was a Entered the family home, home invasion, which in America is a big thing, right? In a yeah. lot of states, you're perfectly within your rights to shoot someone if they come in your house, aren't you? From what yeah. I understand.
1: It did, it reminded me a little bit of the Remember this the Seth Rollins home invasion of Edge and Beth Phoenix, but nobody was there.
0: But nobody was so there. That was exactly. the whole
1: that was the whole thing of like, imagine if they were there, you know, yeah. you know. his whole the whole premise of Seth's kind of cell was, I could have done this when they were here. You know, he's playing mind games with them, but, um, but you know the crowd did respond well to the idea of it being a Texas Death Match, and I think Swerve is someone who they should push more. He has got a lot to offer, I think. So hopefully, he gets to beat Page and move on up the card. But
0: yeah, I agree. I mean, he has done very well, and um, I think he's a real talent. But I mean, I don't understand this feud at all. I don't understand who's. I just anyway, we've just been through it. It was <laughs> not sensical to me. Um, I mean, if you're going to do something like that, you need to think it through before you film something like that. Because what message are you sending? I mean, it's quite a disturbing angle, really. I mean, in a sense, it wasn't disturbing because we knew the baby wasn't there. But I think we were supposed to believe that it was.
1: So I don't know. It's just very odd. Very odd. Well, the obviously the big storyline is MJF and Adam Cole are still ROH tag champs. And MJF is also the world champ, so he's gonna be facing Jay White in the main event. Of the AEW world title. Jay White has stolen the the title from MJF. The MGF will also be wrestling on the pre-show with a partner to be confirmed against the guns for the ROH tag team titles. So
0: we're yes. kind of re-
1: repeating the 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 kind of Was it all all in, right? All in, yeah, the all-in. Pre match, pre show thing, and then the main event match. I mean, I'm curious from your perspective. So I've said to Sondra a few times the reason that I am not into this with Jay White is because I don't think they built him up enough. I said this to you as well. I don't think they built him up enough, and I just don't think that this feud is really clicking. But why? What What do you think? And why Why is it not clicking for you? Um, I mean, the whole thing with Juice Robinson and the Dynamite
0: Diamond Ring. I mean that could have been helpful but it wasn't and in fact i think it ended up diminishing the interest in this feud um because i mean it was almost played for laughs and robinson's a strange character i don't really understand the character um so i mean you know and then we had the whole thing with the coins and you know robinson writing friedman on it and that was you know really just like Unfortunate, just just a a major miscue that should never have happened that made people feel very uncomfortable given what's happening in in the real world right now and like pro wrestling is supposed to be escapist entertainment which takes you away from the misery that's going on
1: around the world well I think think the idea if, if the real world stuff wasn't going on MGF, as a Jewish person who has said before you know, he's used this in his storylines before. And if you well, want to yeah. use that, then you can. But as soon as there's that backdrop of the real world stuff, to me, I'm with you, it has to not be a part of it. Exactly.
0: Just steer clear. You know, Israel Hamat. just let's not get into that here. But just, you know, AEW should not have got into that when they did because of what was going on in the real world. Yeah, and obviously, you know, MJF has brought, you know, the anti-Semitism up before. Um but yeah, so I mean, and also I thought m defeated Robinson quite easily. And in some ways he should have done because Robinson's not a top guy. But I just felt, and then we had like the guns getting involved and the whole thing was, you know, just a bit of a shambles really, the match. Um, so, but Jay White, I think is very talented in the ring, but he's, you know, really, really short sure on charisma. He's not an interesting personality. I don't think they've really built him up as a star and he just sort of feels like he's in over his head against MJF. I don't like the storyline they've told um where, you know, he stole the belt from MJF and then MJF didn't attempt to, um you know, take it back from him over a period of many, many weeks. I mean, MJF should have been moving heaven and earth, shouldn't he, to try and um, take control again of the physical belt which is apparently, you know, the most important thing to him is in his life, the triple B. Yeah. And he should have been there taking a beating and just attempting to, you know, recover the title belt, which he he never did. And the explanation was, well, MJF can't do that because it's four against one. Well, he could have come out with a chair or he could have ambushed him backstage. There's all sorts of things he could have done to you know, retake possession of his, you know, beloved title belt. So I felt that was really weak. Um, I mean, I think on the night it'll probably be a good match because Jay White is very, very good in the ring. I think he's very talented, but he's you know he's you know he's probably like an eight or a nine in the ring, but he's like a two or a three as a personality. I think it's just that simple, Kenny. He just doesn't have that main event dynamic charisma, does he?
1: No, I, I, he's I, and I think you know. MGF has at points tried to get this belt back, but he, you're right; he's not moved heaven and earth, which is what the MGF character would do in that scenario. And yeah. they're trying to tell the story that MGF is torn between you know his friendship with Adam Cole and he wants to keep these tag titles, but then he's also had his belt stolen. But then, to me, Jay White stealing the belt feels like a Miz thing to do. Yeah. and and you don't really want to be compared if you're a heel in the rise for the world title to the Miz. That's just not the co- the comparison that you want you want to be known as your own star that can do it you, you know you can do it on your own because as soon as you steal the belt it's like well you're not winning it That's you You told me straight away that you're not winning it and exactly okay. that's the other thing as well we don't believe that Jay White can win no and now he if he does win like
0: a, he doesn't feel like a world champion in AEW I know he was top guy in, in uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling but he doesn't feel like he could be the top guy in AEW no I mean, and, one one. Sorry, I'm go just, sorry. Just one more other thing about the MGF thing. Also, I think it's been diluted by MGF's storylines, feuds, interactions with Samoa Joe, Wardlaw, Roderick Strong, Matt Taven, and Mike Bennett. Um, have I missed anyone, Kenny? No, I
1: Probably think that's. Here. I think I think that's that's it. But I mean, the funny thing to that point is, if you were to say to me, right, okay. MGF's going to have a title match against either Samoa Joe, Wardlow, Roderick Strong or Jay White. Jay White would be the last person on the list for me. Cause that Roderick says it Strong, all, doesn't it? That says it all. Yeah. Because Roderick Strong, I mean, look at how much that guy has overcome what people, you know, people thought he had no charisma and he had no personality and look what he's been doing to, you know, really stick into people and show that he, he can take the piss out of himself and he's, yeah, I think he's done a great job, so it's, and i'm i hope that once mjf wins at full gear because obviously we do also have the the thing in the background of the devil because the the dev, the guy in the devil's mask has been there when the acclaim got attacked and mjf was supposed to be you know their friend so they got they attacked somebody some group of men attacked the acclaim and then the, the guy with the devil mask is behind it so we're, met, we're meant to believe the devil's mask guy is going to reveal himself at some point I guess that's going to be MGF's next feud. We don't know who that's going to be. Um, but I just hope that after Full Gear, there's just somebody more interesting because MGF has kind of set the bar in his previous feuds with how good they've been. You know, the CM Punk feud or the, the Adam Cole stuff. And the Jay White stuff just isn't really on a level with that other stuff that he's done before, I don't think.
0: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, yeah. I mean, I think on the night they'll actually do well because Jay White is really good in the ring. And it'll be laid out in such a way that White will look like he's going to win several times. So I think once the match gets in the ring, I think they'll be all right. But it's everything that's happened prior to the match getting in the ring that's been the problem.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Well, listen, that's all the time we've got for today. We'll be back on Thursday with Power Slam and the personal overrun, and then we'll be back next week for we'll talk about all the stuff that's going on. If there's any big results or angles from full gear, we will give them a mention on what's going down next week. But, yeah, we hope you have enjoyed the podcast. And, um, yeah, Finn, we'll, I'm looking forward to seeing you in person for an undisclosed reason.
0: Indeed, yes, yeah, we're catching up Wednesday, so hopefully we'll be able to
1: tell you fairly soon what that's all about indeed indeed so thank you for all your support everybody we'll talk to you soon